Behind every beautiful thing, there is some kind of pain. Bob Dylan. Bending Not Breaking, the Dragon Prince edition. Episode 6, Through the Ice. everyone, just before we get started with the episode, I did want to offer a, just a, a, an FYI. We do uh, curse a little bit more in this episode than we usually do, and I just wanted you to know that just in case uh, that was not for you. And if not, then welcome you to the next episode, and if so, then have at it. Enjoy the rest of what's coming, because it's pretty cool. Hello and welcome to episode 6 of the Dragon Prince edition of Bending Not Breaking. We are truly grateful to be able to do this before starting Legend of Korra. That's coming soon. And then after engaging with season 1 so far, I can only hope that we'll continue to with season 2 at some point because this has been a blast. But for now, I have a very special guest joining us for our discussion today. And so please join me at home, celebrating at home however you do, uh, welcoming the amazing voice of Soren. And he is here to join us. And rather than me giving a weird introduction of all of his other accolades, I just want to let him tell us about himself, tell us his full name, tell us uh, like where he went to school. Give him just the whole life story. What's going on? How are you? <laughs> tell us all about yourself. Uh, hey, everybody. This is Jesse Nokalia. I'm the voice of Soren on The Dragon Prince. Um, oh, boy, where I went to school? I don't know, man. My, <laughs> my school is gone now. I, I went to this school. Uh, it was called School Creative at the time in Vancouver. That, that sounds uh, cool. <laughs> it was pretty cool, yeah. I mean, we I got lucky, man. Like, I went there. I think, do you know Elias Tefexis? Do you know the name? I don't. I don't uh, know that He name. was Adam Jensen in, like, Deus Ex and... Oh, okay. He's on Blood of Zeus right now, which is also very good. Nice. But uh, he went there as well. Um, I, we, we both got lucky because it was this great little acting school that kind of – it only existed for a few years, but it was such a beautiful little flash in the pan because the, the woman that ran it, Kirsten Clarkson, is like she, – she's brilliant. She's absolutely brilliant. And she assembled like the best acting teachers in the city of all different backgrounds and all different – like theories and philosophies under one roof and said go <laughs> that's awesome so i ended up with a very eclectic education but i'm very thankful for it wow um, that's so cool yeah I'm yeah glad I, I asked that question <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> i don't yeah i don't really talk about it very often because nobody asks but you know i'm glad you did uh beyond that what else do i got going on man uh i don't know i'm a bunch of voices on my little pony friendship is magic uh and gotta new- love that uh, the new Pony Life. I'm Pinkie Pie's brother now, which is kind of neat. Yeah. Um, I'm Spider Ham. I'm the voice of Spider Ham in some in uh, Marvel Battle for the Thanos Stones. I think it's called. Okay. Uh oh boy. <laughs> I just had a VR game drop that's kind of cool. I it's very it's super anime. It's like a launch title for the Oculus Two in Japan, but it's Love called it. Alt Deus, and it's it's very cool. It's very uh. 
gave me an opportunity to exercise some anime screams. <laughs> yeah, no, that's really cool. That's super <laughs> cool. I, I'm a big uh, anime fan personally, so this you is and me both, right up man, my alley. I feel you. <laughs> so tell me a little bit, just uh, for funsies, what do you when you're not working? Uh, what do you do in your spare time? What's what's your like? long walks on the beach like what's your favorite thing to do <laughs> outside of voice recording um honestly i've become i mean we've all become a bit of a hermit in lockdown but i was a, i was a yeah. bit of a hermit before that i uh same <laughs> <laughs> um i mean I, I like beaches i'm a big fan but my background is martial arts you know my my dad's a grandmaster cool. martial artist um i do a lot of training i spent roughly 10 years in and around the world of capoeira uh, and wow. you know, my dad, I'm Filipino. My dad's a grandmaster martial artist in Arnis and that's where I've spent the bulk of my life. So that's been a big part of my life. Um, I, I'm, I love video games. I'm a big gamer. So that's been keeping me very busy in lockdown. Um, What's your favorite? Oh, Jesus. Uh, <laughs> uh, right now I want to say my favorite game, my favorite game that I've played in like forever has been Red Dead Redemption 2. Oh, that's a it, big fan. My my roommate in college was a big fan of that. Yeah, like it it really it really hit me. I don't know why. I I love westerns yeah. too, so maybe that's why. But it just hit me as this really beautiful story about like the end of an era and people coming to terms with it. But uh, beyond that, I've been really deep diving into the Yakuza franchise, and that's I've never been, played those. Oh, they're they're really good. They're they're equal parts hard boiled Japanese crime drama and like wacky side quests. <laughs> okay. Like in in one of the games, you have to like a side quest is you fill in for one of the, for a mascot for the local town, and you have to like learn his catchphrase and shit. And it's it's very funny, and it's such a weird diversion from what is ostensibly a story about men and their and their fathers. <laughs> that's yeah. That's. You gotta love the the funny side quests. I, oh, I'm yeah. a big fan of uh, the Zelda franchise. Ah, uh, so, yes. Got there's some funky side quests in those too. Um, Breath of the Wild especially had some some pretty crazy ones. I have been trying really hard to get into Breath of the Wild, but it's not landing for me. I'm oh, so mad because no. like, it's a really oh, no, beautiful no, no. game, and I love it. But I hate the I hate the uh, the aiming controls with the Switch. Ooh, and it's driving yeah. me insane. It's not not hard. Aiming is a little hard. Yeah. I will say that. That's fair. I'm actually playing uh, Genshin Impact right now. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I was playing that a bit myself quite recently. I find it fascinating. I yeah. love it. Um, for a free game, granted, you can spend a lot of money on it, but yeah. I have not because, you know, quarantine and student life. Yeah. Uh, but, like, <laughs> for a free game, I like I have been fascinated with how awesome it has been comparatively um but yeah so games that's always great uh, uh are you a big board game fan what's your what's your board game situation like uh you know i don't play a whole lot of board games but i have been playing a lot of dungeons and dragons in lockdown uh, i've been streaming with uh critical bard omega jones on his channel every sunday we do a game called creature collectors it's oh, uh the brainchild of this this wonderful dm that i that i know i'm very proud to call a friend lily sparks who uh, wrote this story kind of based on Pokemon, Digimon, Cardcaptor, Sakura. It's very like oh, I'm in. 90s yeah. anime inspired. <laughs> but uh, I've been I've been playing that as a as a Warforged who thinks he's Robin Hood because I thought nice. of the pun Robot Hood and that's what stuck with me. <laughs> that's awesome. <laughs> but beyond that, it's been it's been really lovely because I only recently started playing maybe two years ago. 
and I nice. just kind of dove in head first because I thought, well, like, what else am I doing in lockdown, man? <laughs> yeah, that's actually pretty similar to me. I I, uh, I had a friend of mine that wrote me into playing D and D a few years ago, mm. and I've been playing off and on since then in in quarantine after our first semester of school ended. Uh, <laughs> one of my um, uh, uh, people at school what do you call them schoolmates uh colleagues whatever associates um comrades yeah one of my associates from from graduate school was like hey we should do this and then now we have a group that's meeting every week uh in our break which has been really fun so yeah it's it's a great way yeah it's such a it's such a cool because i i have no experience with tabletop games at all yeah i played a little bit of warhammer when i was in when i was like 13 14 but it's very expensive, so I didn't play it long. <laughs> and yeah. you know, when I when I started playing D and D, I was like, "Oh, this is fun!" And it's like easy. And as somebody who deals with a lot of like anxiety, just generally in my life, it was a neat way to like to to find ways to to overcome that and have to in the game, and then be like, "Oh shit, this works for my life too. That's neat. What a cool way to." Which is the entire premise of this podcast, right? We can mm-hmm. learn cool things about ourselves in fiction. Absolutely. And like in, in games and like role play gives us that opportunity just as much. And so maybe we'll do an episode on a D and D match. We'll see. <laughs> <laughs> but uh yeah, let's 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 go to the episode. Let's talk about it. So sure. today what we're doing is we're we're talking about episode six, Through the Ice, and we are we have we have two things we got to do. We got to one talk about what lens we're talking about. Which today uh, we're talking about pain and pain. There's so many things that in directions you could go with pain. So uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna share a quick little story about pain, and then if you have one, I'm I'm eager to hear it. Mm-hmm. So for for me, I, I, when I think about pain, I think about like physical pain is what comes to mind pretty immediately. And I have a few stories of those. Uh, I broke my leg. Someone literally jumped on a trampoline, literally landed on my leg. And so big old snap. I I also, I've like, I've been branded. Uh, I'll save that story for the patrons. It was voluntary. I promise. Um, But it, it, so in each of those situations, I found myself like pretty crippled with pain there. Like, uh, but as I reflect on it now, I can't really remember the pain. I remember that it was painful, but I don't remember the pain itself. And on the other hand, pain that I can remember lives like lived in the body. And it was more of an emotional pain of like, it was just a big oof. And like, I remember my first breakup and I was, I was in high school. I was like a freshman in high school. I was devastated like I like heart ripped open, shredded through a shredder, and like I, I like I felt what I can now describe as like serious pain, and it led to like a a lost part of myself. I walled off. I didn't allow anything in. I was I was like no love ever again, <laughs> and like I numbed everything for years. I didn't cry for seven years, literally. I'm not even kidding. And it was like unreal in hindsight that I needed to. I did not have a way to in kind of engage with that pain and my body and my mind didn't know how. And so like pain's interesting to think about all of the different facets. And so that's kind of my like intro to pain and what I want to look at as we look at this episode. Do you, what about you? What, when you think of pain, what's a story that, that comes to mind or not? It's up to you. Well, it's so funny you say that about, you know, your high school breakups because like that's, 
I haven't been thinking about high school breakups a lot. <laughs> I'm 35. I'm, I'm, boy, it's been a while. But um, I, I have been thinking a lot about the concept of emotional pain. And, okay. you know, like physical pain, I, my background is literally fighting. Like, I've, I've felt a Fair. lot of physical pain in my life. Whatever. It, it goes away, you know. We say that, you know, pain is temporary but hurt lasts. Interesting. Okay. And, you know, we, I, I think of, you know, pain is, pain is rough, man, because you don't know how long it's going to last or sometimes what will snap you out of it. And, you know, kind of speaking to, speaking to your example, I myself went through a really heavy breakup, uh, maybe, God, 10 years ago now. Yeah. And it's funny to think about because it's 10 years. That's a it's lifetimes ago, you know? But um, at the time, it was my first, like, really serious relationship. We'd been together yeah. for five years. And looking back on it, I can see specifically when we should have ended things. And it's yes. at about the two-and-a-half-year mark. <laughs> <laughs> but hindsight is always twenty twenty, And at the time... I was devastated. I just didn't yes. know what to do with myself. And I was, I mean, I, I, <laughs> I think we can all say the same for any real trauma that we experience that, you know, we're not, it's not that we're not ourselves when we experience trauma. It's that we are, we become a different version of ourselves. Yeah. And no, that's so true. You know, I don't, I don't ever want to make excuses for, for shitty behavior but, you know, we're, we're all people. We're all well-rounded, fully-rounded people. And part of that is embracing that shadow self that is, you know, shitty, really shitty sometimes. Here, and here. understanding that that's, that's a part of the human experience. And, you know, it's, it's not something that we're proud of necessarily, but it's something that we need to be okay with that yeah. we, we can be shitty and understanding that we can be shitty means that we can find ways to mitigate that shittiness or learn better ways to deal with it, you know, be it through, um, I don't know. I, I went through a breakup once and I got really into exercise. That, was, <laughs> that yeah. was a nice way to process that, you know, but I've also gone through breakups and, you know, fallen really heavily into drinking and that, was not yeah. as good <laughs> yeah well, you know there's there are moments that you're kind of touching on in this episode even that where where people try to cope with their pain and yeah. it happens in multiple different ways that i'm really really excited to touch on but before we do we have a tradition on the podcast where we have to do a recap of the episode please and we only get a short amount of time and so i'm gonna i'm gonna i I'm going to offer you the opportunity to do it if you so choose. Oh, you, Jesus. You would only, <laughs> you'd only have you'd only have 30 seconds. 30 to seconds. Get the entire episode. Oh my god. Uh I okay, I'll give it a try, but if I fuck up, you got to do it. That's oh, you know what? That's a that's a deal. I'm willing to okay. make that. So let me pull up my my clock. Okay. I am putting a stopwatch. I'm going to hold it up to the screen so you can see Thank it. Thank you. I just watched it this morning, so it's fresh in my mind. Here, let's we'll see. Oh, we'll, yeah, let's find out. <laughs> All right. On your mark. Get set. 
Go. Okay, so it opens with Rayla and the boys, and they're camping. Uh, Corvus shows up. Corvus and Rayla have a really cool fight. Omari's great. Uh, then it flashes back to the castle where Viren, uh, where Soren is working out. Soren's cool, like him. Uh, Soren does. Uh, Soren gets a mission from Viren about killing the princes. He feels real, real messed up about it, rightly so. Flashback to uh, oh god, the boys. They are now in ice. They don't want to. Did I? Is that, is that it? Oh yeah. man. Oh. <laughs> it's hard, that's right? Rough. It's okay, so you gotta difficult. Because I can't. That's that's hard, man. Oh, it's really hard. Yeah, I've I've had a lot of practice, and I still am really bad at it. So I totally, I totally get it. I I try to make my co-host on our main feed uh, do it most of the time, and he never lets me. But it, it never works. But all right, I'm gonna put thirty seconds on the clock, and we're gonna see what happens. Ready? You got it. All right, three, two, one. Okay, so Rayla is this scared of this little doe, and then Corvus shows up and almost capture her, but she puts him into a ditch, and Callum slept talked about peanut butter, and then, you know, Soren loves the leg workout. It's a good burn, but then Viren sends son and daughter out to kill the princes, except Claudia's meant to save the egg, not the princes. That's all I'm saying. And then Rayla doesn't tell them that they're being followed. Oh my goodness. And then Soren doesn't quite get it at first, but Viren tries, a, you know, the greater good maneuver, and then Soren receives that burden alone, and that's really sad. Callum leaves the food behind, and that's really sad, and then I'm, oh my god, it's over. Man, I didn't get to the end either. I should have just started where you picked off or you know, where you ended. It would have been a good way to do it, but well, time makes fools of us all. Well, if you're listening, you can send us your own 30-second recap. We would love to hear it. <laughs> uh, you can send it to us at thearchivy at gmail.com. Uh, FYI. Okay. I mean, I even forgot to say that Ezrin said frozy toesies. That's like the he best say part of the whole episode. And absolutely curious, which I think is yes, a Yes, right? Like, God, Rayla, the one-liners in this show are incredible. <sighs> That the writing is just just as a as a quick aside before we jump into all the pain. Please, uh, the writing on the show is so fucking good. And oh, it's so good. I I remember like I I had no idea who Aaron and Justin and Giancarlo were before I got on the show. <laughs> uh, I, I I've told the story a million times, but it bears repeating because I think it's it's very funny. Mostly, uh, I had no fucking clue. I booked the show and I was like, "Great, I can eat. That's gonna be great for me." But then I uh, I got an email from I, my agent emails me and says like, "Hey, so the guys who run the show want your email. Is that cool?" And I said, "Yeah, they just gave me a job. Absolutely, <laughs> by all means, give them my email, give them my social insurance number. I don't fucking know." Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but uh, I, I I I get the email from them. Thank you so much. You know, we we're really happy to have you on the crew. You really bring Soren to life. Sincerely, Justin Richmond, Ernie Haas. And I I was like, oh, okay, cool, thanks, I guess. And then like, <laughs> I I didn't respond with that, of course. But I yeah. I was like, okay, just two dudes. That's nice. Um, then I looked them both up, and I had a moment of like, did you watch Community at all? Oh yeah, yeah. So I had that moment where Troy meets Lavar Burton. And I was just like, what? <laughs> the guy who's in Uncharted and the guy who did Avatar? What? Yeah. <laughs> and it was in that very moment where I realized that this was going to be something. Yeah. Where I went, that oh, makes sense. shit. This is a thing. Yeah. Because, like, you know, in Vancouver, you, you, you work on a lot of stuff that is, I mean, and I'm very thankful to work on it. But, you know, you work on stuff like, you know, Super Monsters or Polly Pocket or, mm -hmm. um, 
I don't know, like like Littlest Pet Shop or stuff like that, which is all, you know, wonderful work and very fortunate for it, but it's not like Avatar. Yeah. You know, or it's not Dragon Prince or it's not, uh, you know, She-Ra or whatever. Yeah. And yeah, man, it's it's been such a such an incredible blessing in so many ways. Anyway, yeah, let's get on to I the hunting imagine. part. That could be fun. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's it's interesting to be like, wow, I had no idea. Like, just to think about the gratitude that must come with that in a way. I can. Yeah, that's what I imagine. It's been. Uh, it's it's really interesting because you know as a. As an actor, you have no fucking clue where your career is going to start, where it's going <laughs> to end. It's so precarious. It's incredibly precarious. And, like, you know, William H. Macy, you know, fucking <laughs> Academy Award nominated for Fargo, right? Mm-hmm. Didn't hear a call for five years after Fargo. Like, his phone just did not <laughs> ring. And it, it, it's so funny to me because, you know, this is one of the few careers in the world you can choose where you have literally no control over your success, over what you do. Uh, that yeah. is to say you can make your own stuff, but even then, who knows if it's going to get picked up or if it's going to get whatever. You need to find Absolutely. joy in the act of creation. And Yeah, there's just a lot of vulnerability in that. It's like, oh, so much. you're so open to the elements. It's, it's my, my, one of my acting teachers described it as, you need to have the soul of a rose but the skin of a rhino. Mm, that's and, really apt that sounds yeah, really apt that, that hit me pretty hard too <laughs> yeah so I uh, I was a music major in college in my mm. undergraduate studies and so I was uh, I studied vo- vocal performance and oh, I was cool. uh, I sing you know opera and um, I have a pretty rare voice type I'm a countertenor I don't know if you know what that is but no I, idea. I sing I sing like a soprano does so I oh, sing interesting. very high yeah um and i like my professor was like you need to do this you you're you can do this and was very supportive and in my the back of my head one i was really hooked on a (laughs) stable um career and and i think it was partly the stability that was so uh attractive to me Mm -hmm. then like and I, i i sometimes wonder what my life would be like had i um had a bit more courage to to tackle that but at the same time I, I don't feel that like i made the wrong decision but i do wonder what it would be like if i made a different decision if that makes sense it's so there there's so many different paths that we all could walk you know i yeah. i you know i was a history major before i was you know seriously acting because you know i just wanted to make sure i was unemployed at any cost mm-hmm. and you know i i I like history a lot. I love reading about history. I have a I have a decent knowledge of, you know, more obscure histories than most. My background was in classical and Renaissance studies, and okay, uh, my personal focus was on like Mongol and East uh, East Asian stuff. But that's neither here nor there. Um, I I could have been any number of things, but you know, at the end of the day. I'm not good at listening to other people. <laughs> I don't like authority very much. Um, I I like being my own boss and making my own hours with teaching and coaching. And I love being able to bring life to what are some really fucking cool characters. And, yeah. and to give that as best I can. You know, I, I can't give a lot, but what I can do is you know offer 
my my work as best i, I love can. it yeah no that really vibes with me i am i am so in okay uh so ter- left turn done um turning. we're gonna take a turn back to uh th- what we have for content so <laughs> tell me you 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 said you watched it this morning right I did. so what what are some moments that you noticed um that had it were a big moment where pain emerged for you whether it sure. was emotional or physical or whatever well um the one kind of recurring thing throughout this episode that I think is really interesting and throughout the first season I should say is uh, the the band on Rayla's wrist yeah <clears throat> absolutely because it's such a it's it's so I mean it's it's physical pain it is it is killing her yeah. hand but it's also very interesting in that it it represents something deeper you know it represents a tie to Rayla's old life as an assassin it represents her her the bond she swore to kill Ezrin and in this episode I think it's really interesting that she's like fuck it I don't need the hand you know yeah. I'm willing to go through the pain of losing this I'm pointing at my hand for the listeners. Uh, <laughs> in order to save this, I'm not pointing at Ezrin because he's not here. Uh, <laughs> you know, I think that's really interesting, and that's the 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 uh, the symbol of that band is so cool, and it's such an interesting choice throughout the entire thing. Um, the other thing that really jumps out to me, and I'll, I'll share a story from the booth because I, I tell this at conventions, and it's something that really hit me when it when it happened so when we're recording the show or when we recorded uh this episode in like season one and seasons one through three i don't know how we're going to record four through seven just yet but uh uh we we all record in the same room and it's me uh me in the center then Jason's on one side of me. Jason plays Vera and Jason Simpson. Mm-hmm. And then Raquel Belmonte, who plays Claudia, is next to me as well. So I'm kind of in the middle of the two of them. And uh, we're recording our scene, the scene on the parapet where Viren's telling Soren, hey, go kill some kids. And uh, <laughs> right when right when Viren says, uh, do the right thing, we're, we're running through this, and it's the first time we've run through it. Uh, Jason, who is a mountain of a man, he's much taller than me. I'm 5'3". Jason is like, I don't know, a thousand feet tall. <laughs> I, I feel a weight on my shoulder. And I turn, and I see Jason's placed his hand on my shoulder as he's saying, you know, do the right thing. And it was in that moment where I was like, oh, shit, this is real. <laughs> fuck okay i guess i gotta kill some princes (laughs) yeah gosh but it was such a beautiful little moment completely unprompted and you know jason jason is brilliant like working with jason is a master class but that moment really like the weight of that moment really hit me Mm -hmm. literally oh shit i have to soren has to kill the princes and his relationship with his dad is so it, it's a really interesting relationship it's it is. so fucking it really interesting is. but what really strikes me about it is that you know soren really wants his dad to be proud of him yeah he really really I get wants that his sense dad too. to be proud of him he wants him to i 
I, I, Jason will say otherwise, but to me, it feels like there's a clear favorite in Soren mm. and Claudia for Viren. Yeah. Claudia, doy. But I, and I think that that's a part of the, the relationship is that, you know, Soren wants to be loved the mm-hmm. same way that Claudia is. Yes. And he, in this moment, sees a chance for that, but he doesn't yeah. want to. Talk about pain, right? Yeah. <laughs> like, like the, the, the pain of comparison and the pain of being unlovable and feeling unlovable or only as lovable if I accomplish these certain things. Yeah, only as lovable as you're worth. Yeah. It's in, in, or as your use, rather. As your yeah, as what you can accomplish, and I like I, I so if we if we dive into this moment for a second, and we'll come back to Rayla because yeah, that's really important too. But for for me, I, I find this this whole scene was just just a, a, as you say, it was a it was a masterclass, and th- from starting where Soren runs up the stairs and he's like, ah, oh, that's the good kind of burn, and like talking about how like for literal for our our bodies in order to change and grow must. Like we have to rip our muscles in order to grow, and like so, it is a painful process to grow. Period. Mm-hmm. And I think that's really interesting. But it, to think about how we have to experience growing pains in all aspects of ourselves, and this is true in our mind. It's true in our emotions. It's true in like we learn and grow through discomfort and change, and therefore pain. And the fact that Viren literally says you must carry this weight alone is really striking to me because this is the bad kind of burn, right? Soren's like, I got the good kind of burn. And then this is, this is the bad kind of burn where like, and this is one like taxes you and burdens you when you have to carry weight alone. And we see Ezrin doing this literally later. Yes, absolutely. The whole writing on this show is like mind blowing. It's so good. But like, so Soren has to carry this weight alone and, like he like the Viren is using language here that's like wrapping his wrapping Soren around his finger like my son not allowing him to telling anyone like he's like it's luring him to the place where you were just talking about it's saying hey I'll love you if exactly and just the pain of that is really striking and yeah like what are your, what are your thoughts on that that was oh you know, yeah um I mean, you're right, you know? It's... The the interesting thing, too, is, like... Viren as a character, is so fucking cool and fascinating to me. And, like... I, I don't... This is a man who can't see the forest for the trees. <laughs> you know? He, he sees the long game, but he can't see what's directly in front of him. Interesting. That's what I think, at least. You know, he, he yeah. sees... All of this, he sees sending his kids on this mission. I don't think there's malice in it when he does. I think I think there's a sense of like, this is what needs to be done to solve this problem. So truly believes what he's doing is right. It is deeply malicious. It is deeply bad what he's doing. Mm-hmm. But at this point in the game, what he's doing is what he thinks is the right thing to do interesting you know so so question do you yeah. think that asking soren to do this is causing viren any pain like to ask these things of his children like i wonder like because i i don't know what my answer would be here i you know i don't know 
Um, I want to say yes. Interesting. Because, you know, we're... Have you finished the show? Yeah. Okay. So Everything that's available. <laughs> okay. Just making By sure. By the way, this is a spoiler podcast. We talk about things Good. that happen outside. Okay. So Real. FYI, uh, um, if it is available, we talk about. Great. I think Viren reaches a point in the story where it doesn't matter anymore. Yeah. But I don't think this is it. I think at this point, he's come off of this place of his best friend has been murdered. Mm. The person that he loved the most in the entire world has been murdered. And, you know, he talks about wanting to take the throne and it's a burden. I think there is a part of that that is true. And I think there's a part of that where he wants vengeance. Interesting. So vengeance as the motivator is, is you know, because it's, it's painted in such a way, like, and we see a little bit of this last episode where uh, Amaya is is having this conversation with Viren and he's like, oh, I'm going to move in and I'm going to be so nice that she starts to trust me. And then as soon as she does, I'm going to be like, ha <laughs> ha. <laughs> you're now in the dungeon, right? To yeah. grin. And so it's one of those things where like, to, to me, even if he believes that this is for quote, the greater good, that even with these short sighted decisions, even when he is doing things, it still feels as though there is malicious intent rather than yeah. solely for the greater good. And so like, I, I, it's, he's such a complex character that I don't like have a great answer. And I don't know for sure, because like every time I talk about it, someone else is like, no, I feel like he really believes what he's doing. And then other people are like, no, there's no way. And yeah. so it's just, there's so it's, it's really brilliant. I mean, I really, I think with Viren specifically, the answer does kind of lie somewhere in the middle. You yeah. know, I think yeah, that's fair. I think he's coming from a place of incredibly deep hurt. Mm-hmm. And that's not to excuse his actions at all, because those, you know, that doesn't excuse actions, you know, hurt people, hurt people, but you can't, that that's not an excuse. Yeah. Well, and that's uh, what we say. Uh, we've talked about that a lot on, on a, when we talk about Avatar The Last yeah. Airbender. Um, we What emerges a lot and kind of emerged as a theme was you can have compassion for someone who is hurt and still hold them accountable, yes. right? You can, you can really see why and believe why they did something and hold them accountable for their actions. Um, and that's just something that every time we're like, no, I see where he's coming from. That's not us condoning his behavior. It's no, saying, no, I get it. And this should change. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Well, and that's the thing with Viren, you know, I, I see, I, I see his progression through the current media we have available, and I think, like, this is a man who was so fucking hurt, mm. and, you know, like, even his very last interaction with, with King Harrow was not a great one for him. You know, he had kind of his trust shattered in his friend when he's just trying to save his friend's life even though the ways in which he's trying to save his friend's life are pretty shitty. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, I don't, I wish there was a clean answer to it, but that's, I think, kind of the beauty of the writing and the beauty of the work is there are no clean answers to just about anything. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, it's meant to be complex. That complexity is what makes it so 
human, right? It makes yeah. it so real, which is, ugh, okay. Speaking well, of humans, yeah, uh, Rayla is not a human. No, she's um, not. But I want to I want to return to what you said at the very beginning with about her bracelet. Have yeah. you ever heard of HALT, the uh, acronym HALT, H-A-L-T? No. So it stands for Hungry, Angry, Lonely, and Tired. Okay. And it's, these are the four conditions that lead to relapse is kind of how it was presented. And so uh, in terms of relapse or leads us to acting outside of our values. And so what I imagine with chronic pain um and chronic consistent pain that is just like to the point that it's all you can think about i imagine that's going to make you a little bit angry i imagine it's going to prevent you from sleeping very well i imagine that considering they are hungry because bait eats the drinks the moonberry <laughs> juice that they all they have is stale bread i imagine their whole travel experience right now is a whole halting quote <laughs> experience um and i think about like traveling like this has got to lead like we see them like start to grow and grow in tension throughout this episode where they're like starting at small sarcasm conversations leading to like withholding of information like so now i'm feeling lonely because i'm feeling alone because rayla has been not able to share and then it gets to the point where they start yelling at each other and cracking literal icebergs causing avalanches and I found that to be a pretty apt metaphor for how we kind of hold on to pain until it explodes. Mm. Um, what are your thoughts on that? How does that uh, how does that resonate with you? I mean, yeah, I I, I agree. I think that's uh, I've never heard of that before. Halt! I like that. Uh, that's that's I, I think very very pertinent to to the episode and just again just kind of to to so many issues that everyone faces that could be solved with communication. Yeah. Or, you know, yes. allowing ourselves the moment or the ability of vulnerability to mm. to either, you know, see someone's point of view or to uh to, you know, be willing I no, not even to see someone's point of view, but to be willing to stand up for what we believe in. I think that's a better way to put it. Yeah. Because to stand up for what we what we believe in is inherently a vulnerable act. Absolutely. You know, 100%. if you go on uh, fucking Twitter or whatever and, you know, you tell people that, you know, you believe that, you know, uh, what's uh, what's something that that's good that people stand up for? Uh, the trans rights are human rights, which they absolutely, absolutely. are. Uh, that is a that's a very powerful and good stance to take. Yeah. But there are a whole lot of chuds out there who are going to try and take you take you down for simply saying yeah. that. And the social that media is... vitriol is appalling. Sure. In, in many ways. But, you know, it's yeah. not dissimilar to, you know, being, uh, being someone who is, who is rightfully very angry about mm -hmm. uh, the state of racial justice in Absolutely. the Western world. Well, the, the entire world. Who the fuck am I kidding? Yeah. And... <laughs> And, you know, that is that is also an incredibly vulnerable thing to do is to put yourself out there and say, this is what I believe in and this is what yep. I fight for and this is my stance. And, uh, oh, God, I've gotten distracted by my own. <laughs> well, and, and, uh, let me help. So one Please, of the things that you. I find really interesting with, with this whole conversation is when I think back to Rayla's experience here and she is – 
profoundly lonely here because she's traveling with people that she cannot be herself with because she has sworn this oath to literally kill one of them and at the same time she's grappling with her inner demons and so what i imagine is present here is shame which are you familiar like so shame is considered the the master emotion because it dominates everything else when it's Mm. experienced and what happens when we experience shame is if we are unable to communicate our shame, if we're unable to bring voice to it, what it does is it grows. And so what happens is we see Rayla grappling with this since she swore that oath and decided to not do it. That has been swelling and it's been something she's been unwilling to share. And as she gets closer, it's quite interesting because that grows. As their relationship grows, the fact that she is unwilling to share also grows because there's more at stake. And so Mm -hmm. what happens with shame is when we keep it in the dark, it like grows like bacteria. (laughs) And then when we put it in the light, it dies also similarly. Mm -hmm. And the fact that she does this and gets to the point where like this, this moment at the end where they're on the ice, literally on cracking ice and Callum is like, hello, (laughs) like, let's just, one more time hold on no 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 let's finish here okay here wait and and she will not take the egg because what i imagine is she's reached she's been damming this off and there's been a breach in the dam and all of a sudden she felt the release of this pain and then she's like i gotta keep going i can't stop and and so this emotional explosion of i gotta tell you everything yeah i imagine the relief of the fact that she's no longer feeling shame and what I think uh, takes that shame away is not that she says it out loud, but that Callum is like, thank you. Here's the, like, it just kind of like is willing to say, Hey, here's the egg. Right. And like bypass this, all this information and say, thank you for telling the truth. Yeah. Because I think that's what heals us ultimately, which is kind of what you were talking about in terms of communication being a vital piece of how we, grapple with pain yeah well it's it's interesting too that you say that because she doesn't come entirely clean in that moment she wants to yeah yeah but you know the fact that she and she goes on to withhold the fact that you know she was sent with a group to kill their father who Mm -hmm. is now dead (laughs) yes the fact that that gets withheld until you know later in the show like she doesn't even fess up to it after the fact. It it takes yeah. a minute to get there. Uh is is I imagine like such a deep scary thing to hold. Yeah. But also again a situation where just like if you just take a moment <laughs> and be like, "Yo, this is really fucking bad." It's not good. It's really <laughs> not good. I I am partially responsible for the death of your father like damn that's that's a lot it is and you know the fact that the fact that that gets withheld as long as it does i mean again it speaks to the complexity of it like mm-hmm. why why when we're in a good place do we not talk about the the things that are shitty and scary and that are dark to us like I, I don't know about you, but I've certainly been in places where I've been like, oh, yeah, this is a great place. Let's not talk about the terrifying trauma. <laughs> don't don't want to ruin it, right? Exactly. And, like, I, again, I, I understand that. I don't necessarily condone it, but 
I understand that, you know, that's a, that's a really dark, scary place to be. And, you know, it, that must be, I mean, I've never been in a situation like that, fortunately. Yeah. But I can only imagine that that must be such a difficult thing to grapple with. And, you know, props to Paula for being able to, to handle it all so beautifully. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, there's there's so much here, and thinking about again, kind of revisiting this this concept of this bracelet being not only something that is causing literal pain, but the manifestation, the embodiment of her emotional pain as well. Mm-hmm. And I, I like because you mentioned that at the very beginning, and I've just been kind of like returning to it in my head, and I just find it to be really compelling as a not only as a literal thing that's causing pain, but as a metaphor for the things that she's going on that are going on within her as well. So I just, it's interesting when I think about what will come of that bracelet and how it is released. Mm -hmm. And I I wonder if that's also metaphoric in a way for as you choose the right path, as you choose a path of what you perceive to be just and righteous, right? When you are truly on that path, does it free you from those burdens that you're holding on to? You know, I... I, I was actually thinking about that a bit myself throughout this conversation because, I mean, for spoiler alert for the listeners, but uh, Zim, the dragon prince himself, uh, bites off the bracelet or bites off the uh, the, the band, the wrapping anyway. Yeah. Uh, and I don't... I, I don't want to say that choosing the right path or the just path or what we believe to be in line with our principles is always the easy choice because it's most certainly not. Oh, no. Uh, and very rarely I find does choosing, you know, the right, the principled, the just path result in less pain. <laughs> that's That's... But but is it that is it if we go back to Soren's experience yes. is it the good kind of burn, right? I think is it the pain, that's the thing. You know, is it the ripping and tearing that allows us to grow into something more, right? Because I if, if we <laughs> uh, speaking of caterpillars and butterflies, um, if we think about like a caterpillar's experience, it's like they literally eat themselves to become something new, right? And it's fascinating to think about what in order to experience transformation. Uh, you need to what we have be to transformed, through. yeah. Yes. That's that's the thing, you know, is it opens up a brand new world, but it also requires a brand new step into a brand new responsibility. And, yeah. you know, within that moment, I mean, spoiler alerts again, when Zim bites off the bracelet, like, I think that becomes a big moment where Raylan no longer gets to step back into her old life. Yeah. You know, it's yeah. it's the it's the hero's journey moment where, you Crossing know, Crossing the Rubicon. Yeah. Exactly. We can never really go home. Yeah. Yeah, it's oh, oh, there's so much there. There's there so much really complexity is. to it all and like you know, I w- when we got the first so the the way it kind of panned out when we booked the show, when I booked the show, everyone else's experiences their own, but I can speak for my own. Uh we got to sit down and read the first four episodes together as a, as a cast. And at the time it was just, you know, it was me, Luke, Sasha, Raquel, Jack, Jason, Paula, and, oh, I'm totally forgetting someone. Oh, I don't remember who, but I don't think Jonathan was there yet who played Runan. 
and Adrian wasn't there yet who played Gren. So we doubled up on roles. And, you know, in hearing those first four episodes kind of spoken aloud, mm-hmm. kind of bringing them to life, for lack of better phrasing, you know, speaking them into existence, yeah. uh, it became very clear to me that this was going to be a very special project. Mm-hmm. And it became very clear to me that the questions and the humanity and the reality kind of brought to bear by the show were very unlike things that I'd seen or done in the past through the work. And, you know, I I, I have to imagine that it is probably a lot like what, you know, the the guys who were on Avatar felt yeah. like. You know, I think of, you know, Mako as, you know, Uncle, uh, as... Uh, uh, as Iroh, yeah, who is I mean that's my favorite character in the show. And, Makes sense, you know. He's he's such a. There's so much pain, yes. there that has since transformed into other things, but you know, not to harken back to what I was saying earlier, but pain is temporary. Yeah, yeah. No, that's beautiful. Well, so I have I have one more big moment and yeah then please I'll just ask if you have any other moments uh but for, for me this this big moment really kind of speaks to your initial story about pain uh and so we come to this moment near the end of the episode where soren is stress eating jelly tarts oh hell yeah right he is just like piling them in hell yeah and to, to, <laughs> to, to me uh He's in a vast amount of pain, and this is his coping mechanism, right? This is the way that he is choosing to numb the pain, and he is numbing them through the joy of jelly tarts. Um, and when I when I think about numbing, I think about how often when we numb the dark, we often numb the light. Mm-hmm. And what happens is, like, truly our bodies cannot experience something at a greater level if we numb partly we can't numb partly we have to numb everything Mm -hmm. which means we can't experience everything we lose the whole vastness of our emotional spectrum and i feel like pain leads us to numbing obviously Mm -hmm. right um whether it's a local anesthetic that can only do that but we can't do that with our emotions there's no such thing as a local anesthetic um so what what is what are your thoughts on this this stress eating scene and how Soren is grappling with this pain? Uh, I mean, I personally I loved it. I also stress <laughs> eat, so it was a nice a nice little thing to see. Um, <clears throat> pardon me. Uh, it, it's such an interesting scene to me because the stress eating is there, and it's such a it's such a funny choice with like him shoveling jelly tarts into his mouth. He's yeah. like, damn, dude, I've tried that. That's hard. We all do got it, a right? Big mouth, man. But uh, it, it's interesting to me, especially because you know, both him and Claudia very clearly want to tell each other what's going on. Yeah. Yes. Like they so clearly want to be like, "Yo, did Dad say something weird?" Like he says that. Did Dad say something weird to you? And then he's mm-hmm. like, "No, no, he didn't say anything weird. That's dumb. Why would he say weird stuff?" even though I just implied that he did, right? And, God, it really speaks. So, Rack and I have been on shows together before, 
Okay, is, that's kind of cool. She is legit like my real life little sister. I love her incredibly. Oh, I love that. And the minute we saw each other in uh, in the room when when the table read happened, we literally like got up and embraced, and it was just like so nice to see each other. And we were like, "Oh, who are you playing, Soren? Who are you playing, Claudia? Oh my god!" We we freaked out over the fact that we that's got to be so brother cool. and sister. And uh, when I I remember these scenes because like. Soren and Claudia have such a really beautiful relationship Mm -hmm. as these two siblings who are, (laughs) to steal a phrase from the fandom, they share a single brain cell. (laughs) And uh, I I love that because, I I mean, it's not inaccurate. They're they're both, they both march to the beat of their own drum, as Mm -hmm. we say in the South. (laughs) But, uh, you know, they, they really understand each other. Yeah. And I kind of feel like in that moment, I mean, I don't know if Soren gets it, but Claudia certainly understands that something more is happening. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I think, I think there is that tacit understanding that like, they're going to go do this thing and it's going to suck. They don't know how it's going to suck yet. Yeah. But it's gonna. And they both, I mean, what I was saying earlier as to Viren really believing that what he's doing is the right thing, um, they have no reason to dis- to distrust their father. Yeah. At this point yeah. in the game. That's fair. That's really fair. They have literally no reason to be like, oh, yeah, no, dad's wrong. Even though he is. <laughs> yes. So I, I, I can say that. <laughs> <laughs> it only stands to reason that, you know... They're going into this with the best of intention. You know, the princes are their friends. Even if they, uh, even if, you know, Soren bullies Callum once in a while, you know, they, they're still, I guess, considered friends. And, you know, they want to they wanna save them. They want to help them because they think they've been kidnapped. Yeah. By this, this horrible elf. <laughs> and I can only imagine the the mistrust that I would experience if Viren had given me that ultimatum, that kind of like uh, charge and then had that conversation with my sister, because, okay, if you told me this, then what did he say to you? <laughs> like, uh, I just, exactly. I find I'm that not to allowed be to tell you terrifying. You told me exactly. that's the thing, right? Like it, I think I think it really starts to sow seeds of what we see pay off in season three. Yes. Where yes. Uh, spoiler alert, uh, Soren <laughs> Soren leaves Claudia and Viren and joins up with with the Dragang, as I believe they've been dubbed. Oh, I haven't heard that yet. Yeah, it's cute. It's cute. I like it. But uh, it's it's something that I think starts to sow the seeds of that with like oh maybe dad isn't right. Because I think, Mm -hmm. you know, I think Soren gets that earlier on. Yes. And I think that's something that, especially stemming from this conversation on the parapet, where he's like, yo, kill some kids. uh, I think that's something that, that sits with him. Like that, that conversation, that, that thing irreparably changes Soren. Absolutely. No, Where I he goes, agree. Oh, wait, hold on. Because he straight up says, you know, I don't know if I can do that. Yeah. 
And Viren just persists because, again, he's playing the long game and ignoring the short game, which is a good way to lose most games. (laughs) Fair. (laughs) It's fair. Oh, man. Are there... Okay, so are there any other big moments of pain that you noticed it kind of sounds like morbid to ask yeah. are, 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 are yes, there any there other are, big man. moments of pain in this um, episode that you want to talk about before we move on you know not 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 really you know i feel like the the big the big pain moments for me specifically are you know rayla dealing with her binding um uh soren parapet of course soren yes. and claudia talking um, and I guess like not to ignore the boys, but I have been, uh, the, the whole concept of like, you know, Callum and Ezrin who have no fucking yeah. clue what's going on back home. All they know is they got to take this egg back to the dragon queen in order to try and avert a war. Yeah. But also the, the pain that is to come, the pain that is to come, but also they're traveling with this person who they have no fucking clue about. Yeah. Callum They're learning completely quickly. Completely distrusts Rayla at this point. At this point in time, um, Ezrin is warming up slowly, but it's Ezrin, so of course. But there's that there's that thread of you know Callum being completely distrustful, and you know the <laughs> it was so funny rewatching it because I haven't I haven't rewatched the show in a little while, and. Uh, Callum taking that moment to try and be like the big damn hero and Aspero all the snow away. Almost. He was so close. So close. But then realizing that, you know, this is not something that can be solved with a big hero moment. <laughs> yeah. No, I, I, uh, I'm i really glad that it happened that way because Callum grows into be what is very uh, <clears throat> powerful, but it's one of those things where I, I'm glad that we see him stumble and experience a little bit of growing pains well yeah i think it's interesting uh, because journey. you know he, he he spends so much of the episode just being mad at rayla and thinking he can handle it and like mm. carrying all the responsibility himself that the moment when he tries to do everything by himself and like save the whole party the party gets fucking tpk'd <laughs> yes yes <laughs> Like, it, it's so oh. interesting to me that, you know, he, he's learned this cool new trick, and he's like, don't worry, guys, I'll save us. And then he does it, and it fucks up, and everyone falls off the cliff. <laughs> Granted, I do think it would probably better better turn out than if he hadn't done it. Absolutely. Sure. Yeah. But better well, turn out yet if, you know, they had just fucking spoken like human beings. Or rather prevented people, all I this, right? Yeah. Yeah. That's, I think that's probably my takeaway from our conversation so far is that a lot of the pain that we experience is preventable and we can trade the the pain that isn't helpful for pain that is. Yes. And so what we have to realize is that we're gonna experience pain regardless and if we're gonna experience pain, it might as well be things that help us grow into someone that we want to be, rather than something that keeps us where we don't want to be. Totally. Well, kind of, kind of speaking to that, way back at the beginning of our conversation, a million years ago, however long it was, uh, <laughs> you know, I was talking about that relationship I had that was five years, and I yeah, yeah. knew in hindsight when it should have ended. Mm-hmm. And it's so funny to me because I think about when that should have ended. And why I didn't have the strength to do it. Yeah. 
because yeah. that is it's scary absolutely it's scary it's it's alien like it's uh i was a bit of a serial monogamist so i was mm. not uh not thrilled with the concept of being by myself and maybe that's what scared me from it but you know at the same time I, I I don't look back with regret, but I look back kind of what you were saying with, with wonder as to if I had had the courage at times. Yeah. You know, if I had had the courage to, uh, I don't know, move when I needed to or end yeah. a relationship or a friendship when I needed to or, uh, you know, say yes to things, say no to things. Like, yes. Every, every decision we make will lead us down a different path. And every mm. path is ostensibly going to be fraught with pain, be it growing or otherwise. Yep. So, as you were saying, which I think is a brilliant succinction of everything. Stop it. Oh, deal, Ben. <laughs> At the end of the day, you know, we got to choose the stuff that will help us to grow. Mm. Or, you know, if it's not going to help us grow, at least not backslide. <laughs> yeah, fair, right? Or, if we do backslide, because, I mean... It's 2020. <laughs> Fair. 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 You know, it, it's so funny because uh, to, to be having this conversation with you, I don't know when this is coming out, but we're currently speaking at the ass end of 2020. Uh, yes. Like, this year has taught me so much about myself and about how I deal with things, how I cope with things. Um, it's taught me not to sound too hallmarky about it, but it's taught me a lot about what is important to me. Yeah. And looking back, I think to myself like, oh shit, I could have figured all this out years ago <laughs> if I wasn't just a fucking moron all the time. But well, and I think we're we're all morons. We right? are. We are all we are all <laughs> morons. Like as as much as like, and that's one part of the reason for this podcast again is that we we want to kind of lift these lessons up for people because I've watched these shows hundreds of times. Like at, at, by this point, I <laughs> I have, <laughs> and so it's one of those things where I. I can sit here and just take it in and let it sit under the surface, or I can raise those lessons up and like really try to set goals around these lessons and be intentional about what I'm watching. And like, what is this pain conversation actually giving us? It's okay. I'm going to walk away and be like, cool, cool, cool. Pain's good. Or am I going to be like, <laughs> am I going to set a boundary and say, no, I'm, this is important to me. I need to experience this. What is a tough conversation that I have been avoiding because it seems too painful. And then being like, okay, is that painful because I just don't want to do it and it's uncomfortable? Or is it painful because I know that I'm going to be a different person after that and I don't know if that's a good thing or not? Well, that's the thing. Like, every every decision we make changes us. Period. You know? that End of story. That's that's it, you know? Yeah. I am... I am... I'm 35, I'm a different person than I was at 30. I'm a very yeah. different person than I was at 25. You know, the, the <laughs> there's that old that old saying, which I'm sure is true, so it's not actually a saying, where, like, the human body reconstructs itself every however many years. You know, like, seven literally. Years, I think. Seven years, yeah. So literally every cell changes. But every choice we make changes us. You mm -hmm. know, if I, if I woke up this morning 
and decided to, you know, uh, do my workout before our interview instead of after, that would change me. I would be in a different place emotionally, in a different place, uh, different headspace, like all that. Probably not in huge ways, but in little ways, you know? Um, I think something that, uh, that, you know, speaking to my own profession as an actor, literally every choice I've made as a person has affected that. Yeah. You know, the choice to uh, stay in Vancouver and work as a voice actor has changed my path. The choice to, uh, you know, I, we were looking at moving, but, you know, the pandemic has changed the situation Naturally. a little bit. But vice versa, had I chosen to move when I initially intended to, which was, you know, five, five-ish years ago, I'd be in the middle of a pandemic right now. <laughs> Yeah. And also, you know, yeah. I wouldn't have met my current partner. I wouldn't have, you know, adopted my beautiful little dog. Like, my mm-hmm. life would be a very different place. And yeah. that's not to say it would be better or worse. Who's to say? I don't I don't know. Because that's a that's another timeline. But Yeah. Who's to there's say a, uh, there's a beautiful quote and then I'll I'll use that to kind of tie a bow sure. on this part of the conversation but I I've used it before I think for the main podcast but there's a quote that talks about how we have to experience the funeral of all of the people we love and care about hundreds and hundreds of times over because we are constantly changing because we are becoming and changing and, and with with every change becomes the death of something else and we have to attend the funerals of ourselves. We have to attend the funerals of change. And I, I think what goes to part of the part of the pain is is grief also in, mm-hmm. in, in recognizing what could have been and will never be, but also in recognizing what will never be again. Um, because people grow and people change. Like I there's a David Eagleman wrote a book, uh, and I cannot tell you the title of it right now, but <laughs> it talks about how literally after this conversation our brains are going to be different because of what we have learned and what we what we've engaged with Mm -hmm. from one another our brains are different like physically and so we're different people after just an hour of conversation much less a five minutes conversation so there's just a lot there and so i'm 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 really grateful jesse that you were able to join me for this whole episode this has been crazy amount of content that we've been able to <laughs> grapple with like there's so much and this is from a 20 minute episode of the dragon prince y'all like how cool is this there's a lot going uh, on so what we're gonna do is we're gonna take a short break and we'll be right back with uh our lens mvp so he- you'll hear us back in a few minutes seconds seconds there we go who knows get some water um so jesse we are back 
Uh, we're enjoying a nice conversation about pain, which seems somewhat ironic. And uh, right now it's time for our Lens MVP. And just to remind our listeners, this is the moment where we are picking the person who has embodied this lens the best. And that doesn't mean they've been they've experienced the most pain. It might also mean they experienced the most pain. Or it could mean that they have handled it the best. It's it's your way to kind of interpret it, but this is the MVP in terms of the person who has dealt or grappled with pain. And so I'm going to hand it off to you. Who do you think deserves the MVP award? Oh boy. Uh you know what? It <laughs> Uh, Paula's gonna love this. Uh, I'm gonna say Rayla. Honestly, mm. I think Rayla's my I choice. I think that the fact that you know this is episode six of yeah. the show, and you know she she's come so far, and the fact that she even fesses up to the fact that like yo this band's here because I got to kill that kid, but I'm not gonna do it. Yeah. I'm gonna lose my hand but I'm not going to kill Ezrin. And I yeah. think that is, I mean, kind of what we've been saying, you know, it's, it's making that choice to experience. You're going to, you're going to feel pain one way or the other. Yeah. Courage over comfort. Yes. And I think that's uh that's a really beautiful moment. And, you know, it's, it's a really beautiful, it's a really beautiful moment. And Paula is, is, the goat man she's great so i'm she is very she did she did wonderful work yeah it also just reminds me to consider those of us who are in chronic pain and that how that affects every decision we make and Mm -hmm. i just i support your your choice but i also want to offer a nominee of my own for the lens mvp so uh listeners you're gonna have to choose for us you're gonna have to let us know which one which one do you think deserves it but for for me i'm gonna kind of uh pick someone of an ironic choice i'm gonna pick soren mm. um i'm surprised you didn't being <laughs> who you are uh but so soren having this conversation with a parent with someone who theoretically is supposed to love you quote unconditionally and i, I if you listen to the other podcast you know i don't necessarily believe in unconditional love but as children we do, as children we believe that our parents will love us no matter what. And to go and be raised into a situation where you are experiencing the pain of being unloved by a parent when especially you've already lost one and then like being put into a position where you now have to take a life in order to or two in order to maintain that 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 love or even get some that to me feels like pain. <laughs> <laughs> that that is some serious pain that I am not into and I don't want it. <laughs> um so he's my he's my MVP. He's my he's the one who I'm I'm nominating and and we all numb like he does. We all have some way to numb. Sometimes it's through jelly tarts, sometimes it's through binge watching Netflix like the Dragon Prince, sometimes it's through <laughs> doing other things. And so we all have our banana nut muffin that we like to to munch on when oh, we get I into this banana nut muffin. Right? Oh. Okay. Well, but listeners, I'm super interested in your thoughts. Remember, you can connect to us at BNB underscore pod on Instagram, TikTok, on Facebook, on Twitter, all the things. Just come and find us and let us know what your thoughts are. Who deserves the MVP award? And if you have your own nominee, let us know. Feel free to send us a voicemail telling us your MVP. 
Okay, Jesse, this is our, our final segment. Yeah. We're moving into gratitude, who we're thankful for, and kind of separating gratitude from MVP. This is not the person who we're grateful for in terms of pain, but this is the episode, or I'm sorry, this is the character in this episode that maybe taught you the most, or maybe has given you something that you never could have gotten somewhere else. Mm-hmm. Or maybe it's the character that you are grateful for because they said something that was really impactful and you never thought about it that way. It can be anything. So, I'm gonna, again, I'm giving it to you. Who on this episode are you grateful for? I mean, this is going to come as a big shock. Shocked. But, I'm ready to be uh, shocked. <laughs> uh, it's Soren. Okay. And All right. It's it's for a bit more of a nebulous reason than okay. uh, than just the episode, but... You know, the the opportunity to voice Soren has opened so many opportunities in my life outside yeah. of outside of work, but you yeah, know, number one being to be on this podcast. Right? Getting, I mean, oh, for sure. absolutely. This is this is this is it. I, it's all downhill <laughs> from here. But um, <laughs> you know, it's it's afforded me the opportunity to you know get to meet so many cool and talented and interesting fans at conventions and on online um it's afforded me the opportunity to do what i love and to give me a platform with which i can i can advocate for things i love and things i care about uh it's afforded me i mean a a a living wage has been great (laughs) yeah i can i can only i can only imagine that like (laughs) you'll get there but (laughs) one day but geez, I mean, and I, I know I'm I'm incredibly blessed. I'm incredibly fortunate to be where I am. But you know, at the same time, I a, a lot a lot in my life has changed since uh, since I was since I was booked as Soren. Yeah. And it sounds it sounds really really cheesy to say, but you know, at the same time, like the the show. I, I'm incredibly grateful to, you know, the the staff at Wonderstorm, the guys at Bardell, all the other actors, the writers, like everyone involved, because you know they they have very much changed my life. And, I love it. You know, it's it's all through the through the lens of this, you know, handsome tall himbo. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, I love that. I, I, I love gratitude. Gratitude is so nice. It just allows us to talking about like communication. Sometimes we don't always voice our appreciation, but having this as a practice has given me an opportunity to be grateful for being grateful. And you know, that's that's a really lovely thing, too, because it's not something that we uh, we get to express as much as we should. Yeah. You know, especially well, speaking you. as, uh, you know, to, to men, you know, Absolutely. It's, it's not something we're taught. And yep. if I can, if I can harp on it for just a sec, it's something Please. that we, I, I've been thinking a lot about the concept of toxic masculinity recently. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, it's something that again, can be, can be bridged through communication. And it's something that I think can be bridged through vulnerability and allowing vulnerability. Yeah. But, you know, it's... <laughs> It's funny when when I, I I teach a lot of actors too, and something that I tell all of them, because I teach primarily adults, uh, is that we as adults are no longer expected or offered the opportunity to play. Yes, and 
that is so detrimental to the experience of being an actor, but it's also incredibly detrimental to the experience of being a human being. Absolutely. And I think, you know, speaking, speaking as, as a, a cis man, like that's something that affected me for the longest time was not allowing myself the freedom to play or to be vulnerable or to be, uh, to be open or to, to be wrong even because society teaches us that we need to be right and stoic and strong. And, you know, the only emotions we're allowed are anger and punch. That's right. That's so true. (laughs) Absolutely. And, you know, it's, it's such a, it's such a toxic shitty thing, but it can be unlearned. Yes. It just takes the courage and the pain, bringing it back around, (laughs) of growing into into a higher plane and into a higher being yeah we need pain to grow to a higher plane i love it (laughs) pain is temporary i'm sorry you were saying no you have a a... no that was that was incredible i love that and like we we've we've talked about toxic masculinity on the show before but i'm i would love to do a, a deep dive into it so this is great uh so okay i uh for me uh my gratitude is i'm gonna give mine to ezrin and one he truly saves the day right he He dives in after the egg and any longer in the egg may not have maintained life if that's what we're calling it and i like and and also anyone who says frozy toesies deserves gratitude (laughs) let's just be real yes that's true like but but to on a more serious note just like we've been talking about courage a lot this episode and we've talking a lot about bravery and his bravery here is immense right it's it's i one i don't really think he thought like all the way through it he didn't have time to think about okay if i dive in what's going to happen but i like i don't think that's what it was but choosing courage over comfort and like we saw callum would have divin at divin dove dived right after him yeah um and the fact that ezrin throughout this whole episode is so and it's throughout the series and we see him grow up, but we see him like truly being himself and being comfortable with it. And also admitting when he's wrong earlier in the episode, he's like, bait would never. And then he goes up to bait and like, it was bait. <laughs> like, and so just his ability to be himself uh, and in be the child that he is he's because he's still like living within his childhood and i think that that is really beautiful and i think that sometimes i think we're more courageous when we are when we're children i mean yeah uh, it's it's funny you say that because ezrin to me is kind of i mean he is one of the heroes of the show but i think he's also deeply underrated as one of the heroes of the show here here because <laughs> he's uh he... so you know, as we are currently in the middle of a pandemic, um, it's something that that strikes me with um, with like people who say they'll like fight for their country and like really mm-hmm. patriotic, all that bullshit, and like they're not willing to wear a mask. Yep, a simple act of kindness of just wearing a mask, just to cover your cover your own face because you feel whatever fucking entitled or whatever bullshit like it, it it's that simple and it's the simple little acts 
it doesn't have to be huge heroics. Like, yes, Ezrin does dive in and save Zim's egg, which is deeply, yeah. deeply heroic. But I think he's more heroic for the smaller things that you mentioned, you know? No, I agree. The fact that he's willing to go back and say, like, oh, sh I was wrong. Whoops, it was bait. You know, the fact that he's willing to try and mitigate this argument between, or mediate this argument between Rayla and Callum. Yes. The fact that he's trying to, like, open Callum up to listen to their new friend who can help them. Yeah. Like, he's he's trusting, right? He trusts Rayla way more, way sooner than Callum does. Well, yeah, he trusts, he, the thing that strikes me about Ezrin that I really love is that he's inherently trusting of the nature of, of people. Mm. Yes. Like he knows, yeah. he knows what's right and what's wrong, and he's not really willing to compromise those beliefs, which I like. But he is willing to try and find the peaceful, kinder option to it. Yeah, you know, yeah. in later seasons when they're like, "Let's go to war," he's like, "No, these are our <laughs> friends. We can we can mitigate yeah. this. We don't need to we don't need to go, you know, kill everyone." <laughs> Yes. We can instead Absolutely. talk our way through it. And, you know, he's also willing to, he shows that he's willing to fight mm -hmm. for what he believes in. But more yeah. importantly than that, he's willing to do the little things. Here, here. And that is precisely why I am grateful for Ezrin. And I'm grateful for Soren. And I'm grateful for Rizla. And I'm grateful for all these people. But we can only pick one. So that's <laughs> the way it works. Um, okay. So. Jesse, you've been a joy to have this conversation with. I thank you. Thank you so much for oh, being here. Thank you here. so much for having me, Ben. Yeah, of course. Anytime. You're welcome back anytime. Um, do you are welcome to share any of your social media handles if you want people to follow you or find you or if people want to contact you? Uh, how do you want them to, to try and do that? I, how do I wish to be found? Um, yes, or not. I, <laughs> Um, I, I don't know. I'm on Twitter and Instagram. It's at Jainokalia, J-I-N-O-C-A-L-L-A. Um, yeah, that's that's about it. I mean, I, I mostly talk about stuff that I got coming out or, you know, I'm currently selling some leftover prints I have from the year from virtual conventions. Um, I retweet a lot of stuff, so get used to it. Yeah, <laughs> I love it. That's great. Um, and then listeners, you can find us, uh, on BNB underscore pod. We've talked about them earlier, but all the things BNB underscore pod, you can find us on Patreon to help support us continue making these episodes. We also have cer certain perks where you can come and talk about the episodes with other patrons. And, uh, we do a live episode once a month as well, if you're interested in joining us for those. So all in all, thank you for being here. Uh, Jesse, once again, thank you for being here. And this has been Ben Pruitt uh, with Bending Not Breaking, the Dragon Prince edition. And until next time, be well and do good. Mm -hmm.